This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Gran Leyenda Tequila. This tequila knows there's no substitute for a great taste. This award-winning and organic tequila is handcrafted and comes in four different flavors. Gran Leyenda takes great pride introducing the world to organic tequilas that do not compromise quality. To learn more, visit GranLeyendaTequila.com. Gran Leyenda, the official tequila of the East-West Football Podcast. Must be 21 and older to enjoy. Please drink responsibly. Whether you're flexing your faith or customizing clothes, Lambs of God Designs is a place to go. Check out the latest merch at lambsofgod.faith. Use the promo code EASTWEST to get 10% off your order. Now back to the show. Life and football are very similar. Without an identity, you will not achieve your ultimate prize. Defense wins championships. Pride and passion meet success. You got to love what you do. Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast. I am your host, Fidel Barraza. Alongside with me, like always, Jerry Martinez and Kendall Whitley. And our guest tonight is a Niners insider and also the co-host of 49ers Talk Podcast, Make sure you guys go subscribe and leave a review. The great Matt Miyoko. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Fidel, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And, and Jerry and Kendall, it's good to see you guys as well. Matt, the first thing I want to ask you is how your experience was covering the 49ers during this pandemic last season. I went to pretty much every game at Levi's Stadium uh, that they played. And then uh, for covering the team with our pre and post game show uh, on NBC sports Bay area. I also went to Levi stadium when they were on the road uh, just for the, the scenics and the backdrop and everything else. But yeah, I mean, everything, you know, pretty much every interview I did. Well, yeah, every interview I did over the season was either on over the phone or like we're doing right now on zoom. And so, yeah, it did create some, I, you know, I don't think I was able to really get a good feel uh, for the team last year, because you'd be surprised at just whether it's body language or just the vibe in the locker room, how much you can pick up about where the team is on any given season. And I, I really thought that coming off of 2018 and 2019, and that, that locker room was as good as any locker room I've ever been around. Uh, you know, 2019, obviously the, the winning, but even during 2018, when, you know, they, they fell on some hard times there after Garoppolo got injured early in the season, you could tell that, that everything was kind of pointing in the, the right direction. And so I never really got a sense of that. You know, I've still never met uh, Brandon Ayuk face to face or Javon Kinlaw or some of the guys, um, uh, Trent Williams. Um, but you kind of get, you, know, you, you get a pretty good vibe, I think, from, from those guys, but it's just really difficult to kind of pin down and, and cover the team from, you know, this barrier that we're up against right now, just looking at somebody through a screen. Yeah, and obviously the Niners dealt with a lot of injuries last season. Uh, just would like to get your thoughts on free agency and what they did. 
Well, I was surprised. Maybe I shouldn't have been because you kind of figured that the free agent market was going to be depressed a little bit uh, with the dropping salary cap. And that you you figured the teams were going to by and large stick with guys they knew. Um, you know, you figured that there would, I figured that there would be, you know, the high end players who would still get their money and then everybody else would struggle, uh, to find employment, uh, for multi-years and, and the kind of money that they valued themselves at. So, you know, a guy like Trent Williams got paid, um, Kyle Juszczyk, even though not generally regarded a premium position, he got paid and then everybody else didn't get paid. And, you know, the, the thing that I thought going in was I, I, I didn't think they'd be able to keep both Kwan Williams and Jason Verrett. They ended up keeping them. I didn't think that there was any chance that Joukowsky Tart would be back, but he's back. Um, and so they did a lot of things. And DJ Jones, I didn't think DJ Jones would be back. So he's back too. You know, Richard Sherman remains out there as a free agent. I don't think the 49ers have a huge priority on bringing him back. Cause I think right now they're, they kind of like the idea of having Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Verrett as the starters. I'm sure they're going to add a, a cornerback in the draft where that comes. You know, we don't know whether it's round two, three, four, wherever, but they're going to have to bring in somebody there. But I just think what, what they did in free agency really set themselves up for something that I'm sure we're going to be talking about later, which is, you know, they have starters at every position. You know, they have legitimate NFL players at every position. Now with the third pick in the draft, maybe they'll get a starter. I mean, certainly they'll get a starter down the road. Not sure that they're going to get a 2021 starter out of that, Mm -hmm. But we'll see how that all plays out. And then anybody else they get um, in in rounds two, three, four, they're either going to be really good depth or rotational players or best case scenarios is some of these rookies step up and are better players than the guys that are already kind of penciled in for starting roles. So that, that kind of flexibility that the 49ers enabled themselves through free agency really set the stage for that big draft day trade or that trade on March 26th that, that brings the 49ers the number three overall pick. And Matt, let's talk about that. The million dollar question, what are the Niners going to do with the third overall pick in this year's draft? I know the answer. They are going to take a quarterback. <laughs> Which one do you think, Matt? You know that I've my my thought process right when they they made that pick was obviously they're taking a quarterback. You don't yeah. trade all that draft capital and not take a quarterback. My first thought was Mac Jones, and then my second thought was, well, it can't be Mac Jones because wouldn't you want somebody more dynamic, somebody who can really affect a game um, and not just be necessarily a ball distributor. But then the more I thought about it, like what is the quarterback position? It's a ball distributor. And so my, and I, I don't know the answer. Trust me. I wouldn't be surprised with whomever they choose at number three, but you're asking me today. And today I would tell you that, that my prediction, my guess is that it's going to be Mac Jones. I think that he fits what Kyle Shanahan wants. I mean, he wants a guy who's going to be in the pocket where he wants him to be. 
he's going to want a guy who can execute the game plan, throw with rhythm, timing, accuracy, and all that. Now, here's here's where I, I leave myself some wiggle room. I think Justin Fields is an exceptional, you know, quarterback, uh, able to make plays from the pocket, as is Trey Lance. So during this evaluation process, I would say that if that if he believes that either one of those two players, Lance or Fields, can execute the offense the way Kyle Shanahan draws it up and makes throws that are automatic when he believes they should be automatic, and it's at that level of where we think Mac Jones is, then, you know, the mobility, the agility, that's, that would be a tiebreaker, but I don't think that they're going to leap a player over another quarterback based solely on the agility, the mobility, the ability to make plays with their legs when things break down, because I think Kyle Shanahan would much rather have a guy who makes plays within the structure of the offense and not rely on a player improvising or doing stuff off script. Hey, what's going on, Matt? Appreciate you coming on. No problem. My pleasure. Hey, yes, sir. Hey, I seen your article this morning on Jordan Reed. It was great timing you know, with him retiring. Um, what did he mean for the 49ers this past season? I think he had a pretty good year from his standards with him, with his injury history. He had like 25 to 30 catches, four touchdowns, I believe. And obviously they didn't ask for him a lot because they already have George Kittle there. But um, yeah. what do you – yes, yes, what do you think? Yeah, no, I was going to say that, you know, he's a guy that struggled with injuries throughout his career. We saw a glimpse of him in, I believe it was week two, right, where he had the two touchdown catches – but then he immediately got injured. You know, he had the knee injury that, that really set him back. I think that, you know, he, he did have a good contract in Washington. So he set himself up for, for life after football, but he just needed to, to get out there and, and not leave the game of football with a bad taste in his mouth. Like, you know, he, he sustained his seventh documented concussion in the preseason of 2019 and did not step on the field that season. And then he signed with the 49ers uh, last year. And, you know, other than the, the knee injury, he didn't have, you know, the any other physical issues. So I think that was important for him, but, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, we never really saw uh, Jordan Reed, and George Kittle out there together. Right. You know, we, we saw a lot of Ross Dwelly. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, he played, you know, he played fine. I don't think the Ross Dwelly brings to the table, obviously anything that George Kittle brings or not to that level. And then even Jordan Reed in his prime. I mean, Jordan Reed only played more than 14 games once in his career. And that season was an all pro uh, pro bowl season for him. So he he was a, a really good player, but I guess it's kind of like, uh, you know, we just never really saw everything that he could bring. So I would think as the 49ers look forward I, you know, I think tight end is certainly a possibility that they could uh, address in the draft. Um, I, I think that if not, then, you know, they'll look to the undrafted market. They might even bring in a veteran because in the past couple of years, they've had four tight ends on their 53 man roster. And I could see the same thing happening this year. I mean, you know, Kittle's going to be on the team. 
you would you would think that that Dwelly and Charlie Werner would be on the team, two young guys who are improving and, and really making progress. So yeah, I think they would bring somebody else in just for depth. But uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of the the one area where you know best case scenario was the matchup issues that Kittle and uh, Jordan Reed would would put out there when went on the field together, and we really never saw that. How good do you think the trio of Brendan Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle can be with a, with a good quarterback? Well, for the full, uh, a healthy quarterback for the whole season. Yeah, and I'll even throw one more in for you. I mean, think about what the 49ers have done with the slot receiver, which basically is nothing. You know, they haven't had a slot receiver, really, a reliable guy. And you would think that that would be an area of emphasis with Wes Welker being the, the wide receivers coach. So if you can have a, 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 a dynamic or just a shifty slot receiver who can kind of work the, the underneath stuff and be your hot read to get the ball out quickly, gets a blitz on third down while also having Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, two similar receivers. I think Ayuk is a more polished receiver, Debo right. Samuel, more of kind of just a, a you know, just a, bowl in a China shop type of, you know, runner with the ball in his hands. And, and then George Kittle, you know, being able to run routes at every depth. I mean, you can really work the matchups and, and find those mismatches. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's why uh, going back to, you know, the Mac Jones thought is that, you know, he was, he's a ball distributor. And right. if you have guys like that, I mean, just get it to the open guy, you know, get it to the guy that the, the defense kind of dictates, uh, you know, who you're throwing to. And, and on, on the last episode that we did a 49ers talk, I, I talked to Greg Cosell a lot about that. And Greg is, yes. you know, he, he has more knowledge in his, in his pinky fingernail than, than I have <laughs> forcing through my body um and, you know he talked a lot about that just you know what what kyle's looking for you know it's it's all about um and all these rookies are going to have a big time adjustment but so much of being a quarterback at the nfl level is getting to the line of scrimmage and maybe not necessarily knowing exactly what the defense is going to do but right. at least being able to rule out a lot of the things are going to do. So then you kind of narrow your, your focus. And a lot of times one of the terms he uses is that, you know, you, you win the down before the snap. And so that's, that's the challenge of, of this rookie coach and the 49ers coaching staff, or I'm sorry, rookie quarterback and the 49ers mm -hmm. coaching staff is to school them in a way, school the, the new quarterback in a way and the, the new quarterback dive into that playbook and in the system so that eventually he gets to the point where the, the 49ers are winning the down before the snap of the ball. And that brings us right back to, to what your question was, like yes. getting the ball out to Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, the slot receiver. I think they need a, a running back who can yeah. – who can run routes out of the backfield. You know, you, you already have Kyle Juszczyk. So they do have a lot of options, a lot of uh, weapons on offense, and that's a great situation for a young quarterback to come into. Yes, appreciate it, Matt. Yeah. Hey, Matt, it's Jerry. So, uh, hey, Jerry. I mean, <laughs> it's, been, it's been crazy just, I mean, with the limited tape that we've seen from, from these uh, pro days, uh, we saw Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch at the uh, – 
at the Mac Jones Pro Day, and then of and and then it, and simultaneously Justin Fields was having his pro day, but they didn't go to that one. But they did go to the second one. So when you when you when you saw those two, what was the biggest takeaways or what was the feeling? Was it any different from Kyle Shanahan and 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 John Lynch as far as you know? Oh, they like Mac Jones a little bit, or they like Justin Fields workouts. I mean, did you hear anything along those lines? Which one they they enjoyed more? No, I, I didn't. And yeah, I, I don't know if we want to read too much into that. You know where they went. I mean, they ended up seeing all three of those uh, those individuals in, in person. And, you know, I know, you know, Kyle Shanahan has never liked going to pro days. He thinks they're basically a, a waste of time because you can see so much more just watching the person play football, you know, and he, he kind of telegraphed it or even kind of, uh, you know, he told what, what he anticipated when he'd go see Justin Fields. And I think we could say the same thing about when he went to see Trey Lance. I mean, he knew that he's going to throw the ball well. He's going to look good. He's going to throw the ball in the move. He's going to, you know, he's going to do all those things. So to me, when you go to a pro day and in the past, it was, you know, more or less a two day venture where you'd go in, you, you would have dinner with the guy, you get to meet him, you know, you'd, you'd spend some time kind of going over your offense and seeing how he picks up things and talking through some of the plays that, that he's done in the past. You know, a guy like a guy like Justin Fields, in there they had to do this stuff over Zoom this year. But I guarantee you that Kyle Shanahan likes to kind of grind on guys and say, "Hey, you know, Justin Fields had, I forget which game he had three interceptions and which game he had two interceptions, but those two games against Indiana and Northwestern weren't good games. So he's going to want to go through all those mistakes and say, you know." What happened here? What were you coached to do? What's the play? What's the defense? Why did you throw that pass? What did you see? What was your thought process? I mean, he's going to, he's going to want to find out not just, um, you know, he doesn't want to just see the, the mistakes that were made, but he wants to learn about the, the thought process of, of the player. I also think that it has a lot to do with kind of body language and, and just kind of getting a feel for how the, the individual interacts with teammates, with coaches, and just kind of see, um, you know, his command, you know, when, when he's at a pro day, you know, does he take charge? You know, how does he communicate with his receivers? All that stuff goes into it. And, and you, it, there's, there's no analytics. There, there's no mathematical formula that can tell you um, what makes a, a, a good college quarterback or translates from a good college quarterback to a good NFL quarterback. But all those things are things that I'm sure Kyle Shanahan, uh, John Lynch, Rich Scangarello, the, the quarterback's coach, as well as you know, Adam Peters and the, the area scouts, Steve Rubio, uh, Ethan Waugh from the personnel department. I mean, those are all things that they kind of file away and, and look at. And it's important at that position more than any other position to find a guy who connects with his teammates and just has you know, kind of carries himself in almost like a presidential manner because that's, you know, the, the, the quarterback in a lot of ways is kind of the CEO of the company. Makes a ton of sense. It's just so many people, I mean, have come to light and have linked uh, Kyle Shanahan and Justin Fields uh, because uh, Kyle Shanahan has a uh, quarterback school. And uh, I believe Justin Fields attended that quarterback school uh, uh, before college, I believe it was. And 
So uh, it, it was just an interesting take. And uh, and when I when you saw the Justin Fields, I mean, then laughing and and smiling, it it just it just looked different than the Mac Jones. Uh, my my second question. Yeah, you, I mean, I well, I don't know. I mean. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think we saw, we just saw clips, right? I mean, we yeah. just, we saw a snippet here, a snippet there. Um, but I, I, I did like that because um, when, when I look at these personalities of the, of the three quarterbacks, um, you know, Mac Jones and Trey Lance come off as very um, extroverted guys you know that they're smiling they're joking you 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 see you see where they they play with a joy and they enjoy that interaction and um again and i don't know these guys but just on from what i've picked up whereas justin fields is much more of a serious kind of uh i wouldn't say not laid back but just kind of um he he doesn't show those emotions i think like the other two quarterbacks do. So I liked the fact that you saw those pictures of Justin Fields smiling and having fun. And I'm sure that's something that, you know, that can only help him uh, because, you know, he does have to relate to his teammates and I'm sure his teammates at, at Ohio state. And before that, George, I'm sure they loved him. I mean, he's a fantastic player, but you know, you want to be able to have a quarterback, or I think it's important for any quarterback in the NFL to really connect with teammates and be, you know, a people person. And um, again, I don't know um, exactly where Justin Fields, Mac Jones and Trey Lance fit on, on that scale, but just from the interviews and being able to ask a question here and there and, and watching them and observing them, it certainly seems like Trey Lance and Mac Jones are, you know, kind of fit that mold and to see Justin Fields, you know, smile and have fun. That, that's, that's an encouraging sign, I think. And that's, you know, and I don't know, you guys might think I'm crazy for even mentioning that, but I think it is important for a quarterback to, to kind of give off those qualities of kind of, you know, warmth and, yeah. and uh, you know, being, being personable and an extrovert. Cause I, I can't think of another quarterback in the league. You know, that was kind of the, one of the knocks on Marcus Mariota coming out was that he was kind of quiet and reserved and, you know, he's obviously a tremendous talent. It didn't work out for him in Tennessee. Maybe it will in, in Las Vegas or wherever he, he ends up, you know, getting his next starting role. But um, I just can't think of any successful quarterbacks who, who aren't, you know, extroverted and, um, you know, and, and have that way of really connecting uh, with teammates. It's an interesting perspective. I I don't think I've ever really sat back and, and thought about it through that lens, but that makes a ton of sense. I think that Justin Fields, I've, I've said it, you know, to the to our team, you know, I've said it. I said he's a superstar, but what they uh, he's a superstar, but with a blue collar and uh, uh, with a big chip on his shoulder. So mm -hmm. it just it's just interesting. I love I love that perspective, though. Yeah. And one one other point I want to make about Justin Fields is that. I mean, this guy is sharp. Like he, I think he might be like off the charts IQ. You know, I, I talked to his, his quarterback's coach, Quincy Avery, and that's going to be on the next episode of 49ers talk. Wow. And, and he was talking about how like he, the kid has like a photographic memory. You know, he, he, he sees it um, and it's locked in there. 
So, you know, he's a, he's a highly intelligent guy who is, you know, a football, you know, a football nerd, I guess, who just knows it. And, and I think all three of these guys are very similar in that way. I mean, they're, they all are kind of cut from that same cloth of being, um, you know, highly intelligent, very motivated and, and not only, you know, probably book smart, but also football smart. And there are, there are two different things there. I mean, I've, I've met a lot of guys who, you know, you wouldn't want representing your charity on Jeopardy who can go out there and be a savant when it comes to an NFL playbook. No, I guess for sure. So I got two more questions. This one right here, it's going to be a little bit of a wrench thrown at you. I'm going to have to put you in the spot here. So let's just say for some odd reason, just some wild scenario, Zach Wilson is there at pick three. Who is the pick then? I got to <laughs> believe it'd be Zach Wilson. I mean, right. I yeah, mean, I, yeah. and it's, it's funny. I mean, you asked that question and I haven't, you know, I've thought about that having given it a whole lot of thought, maybe I should give it more thought, yeah. but um, everything I've heard and from some pretty you know, reliable people is that Zach Wilson will go number two, but you never know, you, never know. you know, and I, and I, you know, I wake up this morning and I'm seeing, you know, reports that the 49ers haven't decided on who the number three pick is going to be. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, of course they haven't because they don't have to, you know, they, they, I mean, honestly, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they'll come to some consensus, but you know, they don't have to decide until they're on the clock. Now, clearly, you know, they, they, they will have known the answer, but also think about it this way. Is it, let's say they're locked into player a, you know, if let's, let's just say that their draft board is Trevor Lawrence, number one, Zach Wilson, number two, and then quarterback three right there. Well, what happens if you wake up on draft morning and you find out that quarterback three um, did something really stupid the night before, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, the, the examples that we've seen in the past was, you know, social media videos or, or whatever the case may be and define really stupid. However, you want to define it, but let's define it in this way that whatever quarterback number three did, you can't take him. Yeah. You cannot take him. So now what happens? Oh, OS, <laughs> oh no, what, what are we going to do now? Yeah. So that's why you go through that process of even if you think you know who quarterback number three is, you still got to go see four and five. Be- and then you have to determine, would we take this? Would we take either of these other two at number three overall if we're in that situation where something happens and we cannot pick the guy that we intend to pick. So that's why all this homework is, is taking place now. I think Um, not only to kind of reconfirm the guy that they moved up to take to, to kind of emphasize in their own minds, this is the guy we feel stronger about him than ever, but also you gotta, you gotta leave yourself, you know, an escape hatch in case something happens and you still feel comfortable going with one of the other guys. Then, of course, once you make that pick, you're saying, 
He was our guy all along. Yeah, no, whatever, whatever you saw on social media that had no impact on our decision, we were going to go with this guy all along. Make perfect sense. So let's end it off. Um, obviously, we, 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 we've seen how the 49ers have built up this defense or rebuilt this defense after last year. And uh, all these key players that have stepped up. And, and of course, with Trent Williams' addition, now we're going to get the quarterback and solidify the future. How far away do you believe the 49ers are from making it back into the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I would answer it this way. I, I would say they're closer now at this point to making it to the next Super Bowl wow. than I thought they were heading into the 2019 season. Wow. Yeah, right. I mean, who thought that going into the 2019 season, they were going to be ending up playing on the, the first Sunday in February. I, I certainly didn't. I thought, oh, they're, you know, they're probably a year away. Well, I think when you look at this, who scares you in the NFC? I mean, Tampa Bay, you know, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, They're, they're going to be formidable. But are you telling me that, that Tampa Bay isn't beatable? I mean, they, they certainly looked beatable during last year's regular season. Um, you know, Green Bay will be good. The Rams will be good. Seattle's always good. Um, I mean, who, who else? You know, the, the Saints, they have to replace Drew Brees. So I think it's wide open. And I, I would go into this season, if you're a 49er fan, thinking that the 49ers have as good a shot as anybody with the roster that they have. And now... You know, it's a matter of who's going to be the, who's going to be the quarterback and, and, and who's going to be the quarterback week one. I mean, maybe we'll know draft weekend. I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility that if they get the quarterback uh, that they believe is most NFL ready and can step in and at some point early in the season, give you what Jimmy Garoppolo would have given you and then continue to improve. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they could make a trade and get rid of Garoppolo, you know, a week from now. I wouldn't expect that, but uh, th that's something to, to kind of keep an eye on. And that's really, when, when I look at it, that's really the only major question with this team is what is Garoppolo going to give you if he's on the team? Um, I mean, it's the quarterback position. And, you know, what, what kind of attitude is Garoppolo going to take into this season? And, and if he takes the same attitude that, you know, assuming he's on the roster, if he takes the same attitude that Alex Smith gave the Chiefs back in what 20, when was that 2017 season, when he was the lame duck starting quarterback while Patrick Mahomes was, was warming up in the bullpen. Uh, if, if Garoppolo is able to stay healthy and, and stay on the field and, and give you that kind of season, I mean, there, there's no limit to what the 49ers can achieve in 2021. Matt, thank you so much, man. I mean, I love the, I love the answers. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on and best to you. And uh, yeah, it should be a fun draft weekend and oh, yeah. a lot of answers will be, will be answered. A lot of 49er fans will be, uh, either momentarily overjoyed or momentarily really irritated, but none of that will matter once the season starts and whoever that quarterback is gets out there and starts playing. Hey, Matt, before we let you go real quick, I have one last question. So obviously the Jets are picking number two, Robert Sala, former defensive coordinator for the 49ers, is the head coach. Now, when I initially saw the trade for the pick, I was like, all right, I think they know obviously Jacksonville is going to go Trevor Lawrence. 
They probably know who the Jets are going to take at too, just because they have that relationship. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I, yeah, I would think that they would know. Um, you know, there's really my initial thought that lasted about a week, I guess it was, well, until the Sam Darnold trade was that maybe the 49ers and Jets were talking about switching spots two and three. Uh, and that, you know, Darnold were to be back with the team, the 49ers could move up one spot, the Jets fall back one spot, 49ers get Zach Wilson, and then the Jets get, you know, whomever, Jamar Chase or, or Kyle Pitts. But yeah, I would think the 49ers have a pretty good idea where they're where the Jets are going at number two. But for the 49ers, it's simple, right? I mean, all you have to do is when you pick three, you know, all you have to do is come up with three names Right. <laughs> and, and, and you're going to get one of those three guys. So, you know, I don't think that there will be any kind of panic or anything else if the first, two, the first two names fly off the board off script. I think the 49ers will be, will be uh, obviously in a better situation because then their possibilities are that maybe they get their second favorite prospect instead of their third. All right, Matt. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. Okay. Always my pleasure. Have a great season, guys. And that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this edition of the East West football podcast for all your latest news and updates. Make sure you go to eastwestfootballnetwork.com. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and also our new YouTube channel, eastwestfootballnetwork.com. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid.